It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchin. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, these have been found, or what we've been studying really predominantly found, within the Sermon on the Mount. Now, these were teachings that were familiar. In fact, many of the Gospels cover these teachings and more, and they were radical then, the radical today because the Lord was confronting sin. He's going right to the root of the matter and addressing these issues. And really, the more we study them, we realize just how awesome they are, that even one sentence can fundamentally transform your worldview, your entire life, how you live and serve and act in this world. So we have been going through these. In fact, there are 24 that we've been highlighting specifically, and we've only made our way through the first few, and that's taken us several months to do that. And so if you've missed this study and you want to go back and catch up, you can go to calvaryfountain.com, and there you'll find these broadcasts and more, and you can share them with your friends and family alike. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. So we have sermon notes and more. If you need any of those resources and you want to even start a small group, please do. They're yours for your using and studying and sharing often. And so we take no copyright to those. We want you to use these tools because our mission here is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. After all, this is God's teaching through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we dare not try to hold on to that in any way. Again, what we've covered here just recently, let me just give you a recap. Number one, we've talked about turning the other cheek. Uh, that when someone has come against you in any way, we're not to resist the evil person. Someone slaps you, you turn the other cheek. This was unbelievable teaching. You find that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. Then we were instructed to love our enemies in Matthew 5, 43 to 47. This was followed by uh, that we can't serve both God and mammon, that we can't serve two masters, and understanding that, that we were to uh, take off all that was hindering, just to throw it off. Follow Jesus Christ wholly and fully. That was one verse in Matthew 6, 24. Then we spent several weeks talking about this hindering thing called worry, doubt, fear, anxiety. And we spent some time going through Matthew 6, 25, all the way to verse 33 in that. Today is a rather simple but profound message. We're talking about the fact that there is a message out there that there are multiple paths to God, but rather what Jesus says, it's my way or the highway. He, he narrows it down to this is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. If you want to be with God forever, it's only through Jesus Christ. That's the message. Two gates that are presented, two roads, two paths. One is wide and leads to destruction. One is narrow and few find it. And this is going to be from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. So to help me in this study, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. I love having him here with me. Dr. Ford, so good to have you back, my friend. Thank you, John. As you were speaking, I was thinking about the intro, if anybody has seen The Chosen, where all the fish are swimming in one direction, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're a different color, and they start swimming in the opposite direction. <laughs> you know, really, I think that's a great visual of what we're talking about today. That's right. And really excited, going, uh, you know, against the crowd. Mm. And... um 
I, I think one thing I really like about this too is you think about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You think about the teachings in the Old Testament shows us about the character of God and his relationship with man. But I think when we see these teachings of Jesus, it's almost like we're looking under a microscope. And, and to me, at least, the Old Testament is sort of 10x, and now Jesus is going 100x, mm. you know, like 100 times. And he's really focusing on, okay, what were these, what were the, the really essentials? What does this look like on a day-to-day, person-to-person basis to live out these things that we even saw in the Old Testament? That's right. It really fleshes them out for us. And especially when there's an emphasis, it seems, on the exterior. Right. Uh, because only Christ could transform the interior, right? right? By the Holy Spirit coming into us. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 6, we've become a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's Christ who then comes into us, changes us from the inside out. We get a transformed mind, a sanctification that's transforming us to, to go right to the root of the matter, where the heart's allegiance Amen. is. So right. we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then likewise, we're able to love our neighbor in a way that we can't do in own, this flesh, yeah. i.e. Right. it's radical yeah. <laughs> to the sin nature, right? To the fleshly nature of things. Right. Our, our default programming becomes completely overwritten with a new way of thinking. And so, Dr. Ford, if you could kick us off with Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Definitely. And yes, as you said, Matthew seven thirteen to 14, and it reads, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Mm. So we're presented with only two gates. Right. Two choices. Two paths, (laughs) two destinies before every man, and each of us must choose one or the other. Now, of course, we know that from the early reformers and many who call themselves Calvinists, they may say that, well, the, the Lord is already pre-appointed, predetermined, pre-chosen, and, and certainly know from Isaiah 46.10 that he saw the end from the beginning. That's he's right. going to know every single decision that's ever been made. You cannot thwart the will of God. Job tells us that he knows every day, every step that we're going to take. Of course, Psalm 139, he knew us in the womb. But yet in this, we see this wonderful Uh, Coming to reality moment, a decision has to be made. And the natural default in this is we are already on a path to destruction. You must then choose to take the path that leads to life. Stay where you're at, and that's the highway, the broad way that goes to destruction. But choose life. Choose to live. Choose to follow Christ, and you will know the path of salvation. And and there are so many alternatives that are presented out there. In fact, I remember when my kids were listening to a song way back. I mean, I'm going way back here. And some of those who are listening right now are probably thinking, I never even heard that song. But it rather uh, it took the the charts by storm. I mean, it, it uh, was a very pop culture top 10 song. And it's very alarming. A group called Hoobastank at that time. They wrote this song, I think it was called The Reason. And in the song, he's talking about how all roads lead to the same destination. Now, that's, that was a preached message set to music, that all of these kids who were listening to that were to come away from that song that, you know, don't worry about me, we're all going to end up at the same place, that it didn't matter if there were a hundred different paths, we're going to find our own way among those paths, and at the end, we're all going to meet together. It really didn't matter. And so this radical teaching from Jesus then tells us that there is only one way. And and it's not that all roads lead to Rome here. There's only one way. The Lord Jesus narrows our choices to the world's religions or Christianity. 
And Dr. Ford, before the program, we were talking about that, that we seem to think that, okay, if I go to a particular religious group, uh, whatever that group might be, that's a religion. And what we have to understand here is he's saying that everything else in Babylon is a religion. Even if you choose not to believe in a God, and you have to try to really work hard at that, (laughs) because everything in creation reveals that there is a created order to things, as Romans 1 to 2 tells us. So you have to fight that. That in and of itself, this atheistic, even if you're an agnostic or deist, that is a religious view. Saying there is no God is a religious view. So you will give in to some religious order of something that you have to hold to in that belief system, or you give in to the reality, the truth, that there is only one way to life, and that is in Jesus Christ. The others are all a religious view that lead to destruction. Right. That is the wide road. There is no other. So the, the world's religions rest upon and are defined by man's work. Okay, we see that at Isaiah 64, 6. Christianity rests on God's work on behalf of man. Yeah. So the small gate is the entrance to the narrow way, and the way leads to eternal life. So that gate is our Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants us to go through that. Yeah, I love that. That's a great contrast because the other religions of the world – talk about what we have to do to have a relationship with God. Christianity talks about what God did to have a relationship with us. That's right. Totally different than anything else out there. I mean, and truly, once again, like we're talking about radical. We were in our men's study this morning, and it it was interesting. One of the men brought up the fact that here the creator of the universe, it says that in him all things were created, Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1, comes not only into his creation, but then washes feet Right. This horrible, dirty task. You imagine these are some gruff men, some fishermen, some some rough guys walking around on dusty roads and stinky sandals. And here's the creator of the universe who's willing to get down on his knees and wash their feet to demonstrate that kind of servant leadership that they must also follow. Powerful imagery yeah. of he deserved to be worshipped by the very rocks he was standing upon and yet came into such a humble position to demonstrate that kind of leadership. It's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling, truly. Dr. Ford, I don't know if you have it handy there, but John chapter 10 comes to mind in this. I don't know if you could read then from verses 7 to 11 for us. John chapter 10. I don't know if you've got that handy. It's a great text. Yeah, I do. It's, uh, It's right here, actually. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and he'll go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Once again, that's John 10, 7 to 11. Powerful text. And it also reminds me of John 14, 6. I cited that at the beginning of our program that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God's only provision for man's salvation and entrance into the kingdom is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Messiah, as our Savior. But then we have to ask the question is, why is this gate so small? Why is the way so narrow? And I think it's simply put there because it's restrictive. 
and, and thus rejected by many. It's not that the gate is poorly marked. I mean, Jesus publicly pointed out that he was God's provision for the forgiveness of all sins and the entrance into eternal life. Men can approach God only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's a fact. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 5 to 6 says that in Hebrews 9, 11. So to dwell in God's presence, listen, to dwell in his presence requires perfection. No blemishes, not one. He's that holy. So the only way to stand in his presence and dwell with him forever is to be perfect, according to Matthew 5, 48. So to have perfection, you have to be covered with perfection. Because there's not one of us here today who are perfect. Only one was able to do that. Not one. If we had an impure thought, just a thought, we've already nullified any hope of being perfect. Just one failing, even James says you broke one of the commandments, you've broken them all. You have now fallen short. That's how perfect Christ was. And don't we see that experience when Isaiah is in the presence of God? That's and right. he says, woe is me. A man you know, of unclean for, lips. Exactly. That's right. Acknowledging, unclean. being confronted right. with the, the contrast of right. the holiness of God with his imperfect state, though he was invited even to behold such a thing. Right. But that's the heaviness that came upon him of suddenly being confronted with just how far we, how far we have fallen short, truly. Right. So Jesus covers us with his perfect blood. Just as the blood, and you got to get this imagery here, of just as the blood of the lamb covered the doorposts in Egypt, that those who did so would not die in the presence of God, but live. And thus, I, I'm, I'm confronted here with the verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19. We read that knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, Jesus likewise invites all of us into eternity, but you are not dressed appropriately. And therefore we must put on his wardrobe, but clothing here will not suffice. We need to put on all of Christ so that what's seen is him and not our filthy rags. That's why Paul tells the Galatians, listen to this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You didn't just put on Christ's wardrobe, you right. put on all of Christ. This is what God the Father then sees is the atonement of his son, the fullness of his son. No longer anything by works that we have done, and that's but filthy rags. I mean, right. if I did 10 things good, chances are I've done 100 things wrong. <laughs> that's right. So how do they nullify one another? They don't. Yeah. Right, And that's why we need the fullness of Christ. And, and we see from 1 Corinthians 15, 49, that with this new covering, you will also receive a new heavenly body that no longer bears the image of dust and water of Adam and Eve, but rather it bears the image of the Son, the image of the second Adam. And it is, it is demonstrating the fullness in Christ Jesus. So to be saved, men cannot add or take away from God's one way of salvation. It's been stated you can go to heaven God's way or you can go to hell any way you want, right? I mean, I remember those commercials from Burger King. I'm not right. trying to advertise Burger <laughs> King here, but the, the, it was a popular commercial because they advertised have it your way. Right. And that's what I wanted as a consumer. 
Right. I want it in my way. It's the credo of our culture. Yeah. yeah. And we want everything that way, but that's heresy yeah. when it comes to salvation. That's it right. is not about my way. In fact, I've often thought about the road to heaven, that, or even rather the contrast to this. Let's talk about the, the wide road unto destruction here, that if I'm taking it my way, what might even be the music in the background could be even Frank Sinatra's <laughs> I did it my way, right? right. And of course, so now I've ruined a classic. But the reality <laughs> there is that seems to be the mantra. It's all about my way. I don't want to do it God's way. My default sin nature says that I can do this. I've got a plan. I can do it my way. If, if we want to desire then the alternative, if we truly want the narrow way, it's God's way. You don't follow the crowds. You trust the Son of God who died for our sins, who offers up his righteousness to cover all of our filthy rags. And we don't attempt then to innovate on this, to modify his terms of salvation, because God's way is unbending. It's only through his Son. Now, this is precisely what really irritates unbelievers. I believe this because they always think, why do Christians think they have the only way? Why is it so exclusive? They think they're better than everybody else or something like that. And certainly we can always present the gospel better, gently, uh, you know, sensitive to their circumstances, but not bending in the message of the gospel, right? It is only through Christ Jesus. And men would gladly choose any other way than God's way because it allows men to keep their pride, their possessions, and all of their preferences. I mean, think about all of the constructions of the ancient civilizations. We've talked about it on this broadcast even uh, not long ago, where we talked about the pyramids themselves, uh, some of the the leaders in ancient China, uh, how they amassed to themselves great possessions and tried to take it all with them into the afterlife to better their own existence at the expense of thousands of people and perhaps all of their lives to better their afterlife, right? So, And that's the way of thinking of men. It, it, the more legalistic they are, it elevates man above others, right? And doesn't elevate truly God above all others. So the other ways appeal to our sin nature, and God will have none of that. I've thought about, you know, that wide way and the narrow way, and I think how that just plays out in the everydayness of life. I mean, you know, if you've ever been to a social function and you can see there's the punch bowl that has alcohol in it and the punch bowl that doesn't, you're going to find the crowd most likely around the punch bowl that has alcohol in it, right? Not the other one. That's for the nerds. That's for, you know, those people who just are goody two-shoes. And so the wide way is often the one that just appeals to everything in our sin nature. And and I'm not trying to cast stones here. I'm just saying that the reality is it's it's not hard to pinpoint those who are living for something bigger than themselves, right? And they have chosen that narrow way, and it comes with restricting the flesh from what it desires to do ultimately. And isn't it important for us to remember that we choose that narrow way every single day. It's not a once-for-all right. choice. We take up our cross daily in that sense to That's stay right. on that narrow path, to stay with the Lord, as uh, as you know, Paul says, you know, again in Galatians that you know he's been crucified with Christ. It's no longer he who lives, but Christ in him. It's the same That's sort right. of thing for us to take up that cross every single day to stay and dedicate ourselves to stay on that narrow road 
That's right. And me denying myself, right. denying the fleshly nature, the sin nature in me, as we see Romans chapter 6 to 8, really covers this quite well. Uh, that it, it, That's not to attain salvation. It's because I'm saved. Right. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells me I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm an ambassador representing a better kingdom, a better king. That comes with great responsibility in that. You're now a stewardship to represent the Most High God. You're a steward of His great resources to represent him well. Right. That's not something we should hang on to lightly there. Your internal destiny hangs on this choice. I, that, that's really the simple message in this, but it's a profound one, that even after multitudes will see Jesus, even after the millennial reign, there will still be a choice, and many will still deny him, yeah, even after seeing him in his glory. Mind-boggling. That's yeah. the sin nature in man. And yeah. we think about that, that, that somehow that we think, oh, if like the rich man with right. Lazarus, right. if they just see, if they just hear, of course they'll accept. Yeah, if somebody came back from the dead. Yeah, surely. but he yeah. says, even if someone raises from the dead, we will still not believe. That's the hardened condition of man's heart. And so the Lord is offered all of himself and he says in Matthew twelve thirty, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So we can follow their lead, the world's way, or we can take this narrow way that is quite restrictive because it's only about Jesus. Yeah. It's all Jesus. And and that's what people will see. And so I, I people have often asked me at this, they think, well, I know that so-and-so accepted the Lord, but I'm not seeing the fruit yet. And that powerful imagery of the fig tree was often indicative of the worship that was happening at the temple. You remember the Lord is on his way to the temple, and here we've already talked about the triumphal entry, and we see that they have left, they've come back, and the Lord is grieved by what's happening at the temple and in the hearts of the people. And there's a fig tree there, and he curses that fig tree because it should have had figs. Everything was ripe. The soil was ripe. The conditions were ripe. It wasn't in season, but that didn't matter. If the environment was right, it should have produced fig trees. And that's what fig trees do. They should have produced figs. And, and here there were no figs on the fig tree. Fig trees aren't going to produce apples. They're not going to produce bananas. They <laughs> right. only produce figs. And so the expectation there is the Lord has primed and readied. He has equipped you're a soil that has received truth. Now, are you going to be choked out by the cares of this world? Are you going to give given back to the things of this world? Or will you choose to follow Christ, to take up that cross, to deny yourself, to follow him? Because the narrow way is wrought with difficulty, but it is blessed to those who do, who are willing to forsake all and follow him. That is not because they're trying to attain salvation. Because they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, I think you just touched on a parable that parallels what we're talking about here, the mm -hmm. parable of the sower, right? And the That's different right. seeds and how they respond to the message. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is, again, not to put on anyone's shoulders that they have to attain their salvation. Christ's sacrifice on that cross, John three sixteen, is enough. Amen. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. We're told that if we confess his name, if we believe that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's the message. It doesn't hinge on our baptism, although that's an act of obedience. It right. should be done. But salvation is through Christ alone. But a life that comes afterwards, that's where I was getting to, is the fact that sometimes that sanctification process can take years. Right. Right. For some, it may be I, I have heard the truth, 
But yet for that maturation in the faith to occur, that Romans 8 growing in understanding of the Lord that leads ultimately to a transformed, renewed mind, as we see in Romans chapter 12, that's the maturation of the faith that can come over years. Right. Sometimes it could be a 30-year journey for somebody, sure. and maybe they've got one year left, whatever that might look like, but that one year is overjoyed with the love of the Lord and faithful service to him. So we dare not give up on those who have made a profession of faith, but yet they're not producing figs that a fig tree should produce, right? As a temple of the Holy Spirit, there should be something there. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're not developed yet. Don't give up. Keep praying for them. Yeah, look at Jesus with the disciples. Are you still so dull? Do you still not understand? And they had yeah, <laughs> Jesus in person, you know, all that time, you know, teaching, 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 teaching. So yeah, sometimes it can just be a delayed response like that. Yeah, that's right. And just keep keeping on. Keep praying right. for your own Amen maturation and for those around you. If they have chosen the narrow way, then pray for their development, their discipleship, their maturation. God will produce a harvest through them. Don't give up. Brothers and sisters, we're out of time. It goes by so quick. I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. We're going to continue in the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. So come back, listen again next week. If you want to hear this broadcast and more, you can find it at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.